Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me. Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. You know how I like it when you loving on me I don't wanna die for them to miss me Yes, I see the things that they wishing on me Hope I got some brothers that outlive me They gon' tell the story, shit was different with me God's plan Welcome back God's to 106.7 The Fan, I'm Adam Epstein Here on DC Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan Talking about the NFL season right around the corner, and who better to talk about the NFL with than my guy on the hotline right now, Lance Meadow, who covers the New York football Giants, the host of the Giants Radio Network pre-, half-, and post-game show. You also host on Sirius XM Sports. What's going on, Lance? I'm doing very well, Adam. How are things on your end? They're good, man. I am so super excited for this uh, NFL football season. I kind of put it out to my callers earlier that I think for Washington – we have to start out, 10 out of 10 on the importance scale, have to start out to the hot starts of this season, or else all the momentum from last season is gone. Well, I get your point, but I think every season is different to a certain degree. Personnel changes, the division changes. So I don't know how important it is that Washington, let's say, starts out 4-0, and and that means that they're due. Keep in mind that if there is the 17th game this season, so you know that's going to bring in questions about durability and health and I think it's a bigger question about what a team looks like once we get past the midway point because the journey is going to be a little bit longer than it was in previous seasons. I think if you're Washington, you certainly should be optimistic to your point, but it's more about the personnel that they're bringing back and some of the guys that were added as opposed to them competing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, to to go against that, I would say, you know, with being in here in D.C. and and part of the media, if Washington loses week one to the Chargers – there's going to be phone lines locked and loaded for people calling for Heineke already. And that's that's kind of my biggest thing with why game one is so important, is that you, you got your new weapon on offense with Fitzpatrick, you got Curtis Samuel. You got to look good. You got to score the football. And we haven't had an offensive touchdown in our first two preseason games, and now it looks like Fitzpatrick's not even going to play a snap or a down uh, tonight in game three. Well, once again, I get where you're coming from, but first of all, I think the Chargers are a very good team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the teams that makes the playoffs, that missed the playoffs last year. Yeah. They got a good defense, and Justin Herbert had a fantastic rookie campaign. Plus, 
to counter what you're saying, Adam, as we play a game of tennis here, I could see, as we're trying to hit it over the net, (laughs) when you bring up the fact that you have to win the first game, I get it. Fans may be on the edge of their seat because of the expectations, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you remember, got hammered by the Saints in week one last year. And look at where they finished up. That's a great point. So, you know, once again, it's more of that marathon approach than coming out and making a huge statement in week one. And here's the other thing. If you do lose to the Chargers, let's say hypothetically, Maybe it's not on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe the defense has a rough performance. So if people want to call for Taylor Heineke, you got to look at how Fitzpatrick does. And clearly he's going to be put under the microscope, but he's going to be put under the microscope because of his side of the equation, not necessarily the shortcomings, if there are any, for what else is working within that team. That's a great point. This, I'm speaking with Lance Meadow, who covers the New York football giants. Let's move over to the Giants now. I'm going to start with this question. Will Daniel Jones be considered a top-two quarterback in the division at the end of the season? Because I think just looking at, it on, looking at it on paper, the answer should be yes if he lives up to his expectations. You know, Dak Prescott, you know, fully healthy is probably your number one. Uh, maybe Fitzpatrick at three, and, and Jalen Hurts, you know, he's kind of an X factor. But on, on paper, I would say that Daniel Jones should be the number-two quarterback in the division. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think he has to if the Giants want to take the next step forward and they want to contend for the division title. As long as Dak stays healthy, he's clearly the number one, Adam. I honestly don't even think it's close within the rest of the division because even though Ryan Fitzpatrick's a polished veteran, he hasn't shown the same consistency that Dak did before the injury. When it comes to Dak, you know what you're getting out of the quarterback. I can't say that about the other three QBs. And Daniel Jones has much more experience than Jalen Hurts. Hurts only had four starts last season. And we know Fitzpatrick's more of a journeyman. So Daniel Jones now entering year two in Jason Garrett's system. You want to see him get back to his rookie form when he had 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. You look at the team that they put around Daniel Jones, bringing in Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. And unfortunately, those guys have been a little bit banged up. Toney's working his way back from COVID. So we really haven't seen a lot of them on the field. But Under normal circumstances, when this team is fully healthy, and Kyle Rudolph is another guy they added, yeah, I think certainly the expectations need to be high for Daniel Jones. And you would think if you would afford that luxury to other quarterbacks in the NFL, especially much more polished quarterbacks, they would be able to take advantage of that. But let me throw this out as one wild card. And it's been something that we've talked about for years with the Giants. The offensive line. It's a young group. Mm -hmm. It's a raw group. It's a group that has not played a lot together. All bets are off, Adam, if that unit does not protect Daniel Jones. Because what's going to happen is, it's not about the run blocking. It's about then, how does Daniel react? Does he get rid of the football quickly? Does he take a sack or does he try to play the hero ball? And when he's tried to play hero ball, meaning put on the cape, he's gotten into trouble. So that's the one wild card that's in play that either will swing the pendulum forward in a positive way for Daniel Jones or it will be, unfortunately, a return of what we saw last season. What specifically do you think you'll see from Daniel Jones that will show you, hey, he gets it now. You know, he's gotten to this point in his career. He's finally understanding defenses. Is it is it going to be him taking off for, like, another 30-yard run? Is it going to be him finding uh, guys deep, you know, behind the uh, behind the safeties? What's, what's going to happen here where he makes a big play where you're like, oh, you know, Daniel Jones is finally getting it? Well, he has shown some of those flashes, to your point, Adam. We've seen the big runs. He had actually both of his big runs against the Eagles last season. I don't know how much the Giants want to see him run for 30 yards, like you said, because the bottom line is he's been hurt in each of the last two seasons. He's missed two starts. So I don't think they want him to expose himself 
to that degree. I think with the return of Saquon Barkley, they would like him to do more of the heavy lifting, even though he is coming off the torn ACL. As far as indicators, which I think is an interesting question, I think it comes down to consistency. Adam, that's the name of the game. You don't want to see Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde out of Daniel Jones. We've seen games last season, even the year before as a rookie, where you know he can throw for two touchdown passes. He can protect the ball. He can run in for another. And then you come back the next game, and it's like pulling teeth to try to move the football. So the deep ball is clearly a strength of his. He's got the arm. You assume with Kenny Galladay now in the mix, who's a guy that's had a knack for making those 50-50 catches, he should be able to help Daniel in that category, and you'd like to see them execute more. But here's the other indicator. I think if you were asking me one thing that may be proof that Daniel Jones is taking the next step forward, how the Giants execute in the red zone. It's been the Achilles heel, specifically last season. They were able to move the ball. The problem is when they got inside the 20, either bad decisions, you had penalties, the inability to run the football. If they grow as a unit together with good decision-making by Daniel Jones, that, to me, Adam, is the true indication that he is now taking the next step forward in his progression. You, you mentioned Saquon Bar- Barkley, and I want to ask you a fantasy question here because I, I've got a draft coming up next week, and uh, I have been seeing a lot of mock drafts. Guys are just going for it with the potential of Saquon Barkley and drafting him top five. Do you trust Saquon Barkley in, in fantasy this year with all the injury is- issues he's had in the past? Well, first of all, let me throw this back at you. If you were a true fantasy player, you'd be doing an auction draft as opposed to a snake draft, okay? That would be my first counter to you, Adam, okay? okay. So you really need to pick up your A game. You see, some of us, we actually try to put the hat of a general manager on and actually balance a budget. But, you know, I know that may be a little bit challenging. I can't even balance like my regular budget, man. I'm doing well, too well, much there you go. So, you know, now that's why you come back and you ask me questions like this. You know, if I have the fifth pick or the sixth pick, should I take Saquon Barkley? But, you know, I'll try not to give you as much of a hard time, perhaps, as others. In all seriousness, I am a little bit concerned in terms of him coming off the torn ACL. I think Saquon's been banged up over the course of his career. You know, he's not been a guy since his rookie year, Adam, to play all 16 games. And now you got the 17th game. He also just came off pup. He has not taken part in the full joint practices with the Browns or the Patriots. And part of that is they're moving him along slowly. We're not going to see him in the preseason game tomorrow against New England. So I think there's some question marks still about whether or not he'll even be ready to go week one. And even if he's ready to go week one, usage. I think they brought in Devontae Booker, not just as a guy to hold a clipboard on the sideline, but somebody to actually get some reps and maybe be utilized on the third downs. And also, I think you got to take into consideration this. If you're bringing in Kenny Galladay and you have Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, I mean, I could go through the entire Giants roster. It's a lot of guys to spread the wealth. Saquon may not have as many opportunities and touches as he did in previous seasons when the Giants didn't have nearly as many weapons. So if you look at that through a fantasy lens, Adam, I would be a little bit concerned about having him that high. I think it's more of a value situation. If you get towards the middle to the latter part of the first round, some of the top-tier backs are off the board. Absolutely. But if you have better options who you think are going to get more of a workload and don't have durability questions, I'd probably lean more in that direction. You're listening to DC Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. This is AWOD Weekend Radio. I'm Adam Epstein, my guest on the hotline right now. That's Mr. Radio in New York, Lance Meadow, who covers the Giants, and you can hear him on the Giants Radio Network pre-, half-, and post-game show. Uh, Lance, answer this for me. How good can this Giants defense be? Because I've been talking here in Washington how good – 
this Washington defense can be. And, you know, I would argue the Giants defense could be even better. Well, you know what's interesting? You bring up the Washington defense. I think if you were to put them up against one another, you love the Washington front because of all the first-round picks and their ability to stop the run and get after the quarterback. Right. And I think if you're asking about the Giants, you really like their secondary because that's where the wealth of their experience is with guys like Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers who are interchangeable, can play a little corner, a little safety. Xavier McKinney, who showed some flashes late last season. There's a lot of depth and substance in terms of them moving those guys around. I think the bigger question is what happens up front with the Giants. So when you ask me how good could this unit be, well, how good can they stop the run, and can somebody emerge opposite Leonard Williams to get after the quarterback? Keep in mind, they lost Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency, and he's not a big name. Most people who don't follow the Giants probably don't recognize the name and no fault to their own. But he was a run stopper, and he was also a guy that was in the lineup consistently. He never missed a game. He went to the Minnesota Vikings. They now have to find somebody that's going to be that glue guy up front. I think they have some options, but I don't think they have enough proof behind those options. So that, to me, is one concern. And then the other concern is, Leonard Williams had 11 and a half sacks last season. That was a career high, but Adam, that was the first time he ever had 11 and a half sacks. You know, the only other interior defensive lineman in recent NFL history to put together back-to-back double-digit sack seasons, Aaron Donald. The list starts yeah. and ends with Aaron Donald. Yeah. Okay? And we all know how good Aaron Donald is. So can Leonard do that again? That's question one. And then the other question is, who's the complement to Leonard? The next guy in sacks on the Giants last season only had four. And that was Kyler Fackrell, who's no longer on the team, and Dexter Lawrence. Can they get a guy with eight sacks? Can they get a guy with nine? Is it going to be a Zizo Jalari, who is their second-round pick, who is a really solid player at Georgia? Is it going to be a Fadio Denebo, who they signed from the Vikings? You know, that, to me, is still the million-dollar question. And I think if you ask the Giants, even Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, he even came out and told the media, Adam, before we start talking about how we're going to defend the pass, I want to know what we're going to do in stopping the run. And I think he brings up a valid point because he knows if they don't do that, it really doesn't matter how many weapons and toys you have on the back end. Yeah, no, I think we have the same issue in, in Washington here is that you got to stop the run if you want to be able to get the sure. sacks with, with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, before I let you go here, Lance, let's go around the NFC East and, and give me your predictions. Who's going to take home uh, the division crown? Uh, because I, I think it's going to really – come down to those last final five games of the season, uh, at least for Washington, they have five straight divisional games to end the year. Yeah, based on the structure of your team's schedule, there's no doubt about it. They're going to have to take care of business outside of the division. And if you look at actually last season, these teams tended to really beat each other up for the most part. So it really was actually decided the division based on how these teams fared outside of the NFC East. So I would not be surprised if it comes down to the wire. Nobody really ever has a great deal of separation in this division. To me, Dallas and Washington should be the two strong contenders. I go back and forth, but you know, I'll circle back to what we talked about earlier. The Cowboys have the better quarterback, and they have the weaponry certainly to surround Dak. They're going to get their three offensive linemen back who were hurt last season, and Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, and Zach Martin, I think that's not just going to help Dak. It's going to help them run the ball more effectively, which was an issue at times. There's a reason why Zeke took a step back last season. They had a game of musical chairs on the offensive line. The million-dollar question for the Cowboys, which is not necessarily the case for Washington, is about the defense. But 
I do think Dan Quinn, their new defensive coordinator, is going to get that group back to the middle of the pack. See, mm-hmm. when you look at the Cowboys this season, Adam, they don't need to be a top-five unit. They don't even need to be a top-ten unit. The defense needs to just be respectable, 18th, 17th, because that offense is going to be able to score. So if the defense moves the needle slightly, I think they'll be a more balanced team, and they'll be in position to do damage. With Washington, I'm not concerned about the defense. I'm concerned about Fitzpatrick's decision-making and his ability to be consistent game in and game out. So it's really offense for Washington, defense for Dallas. My money is more on the Cowboys being a little bit more balanced than Washington, and I give them the slight edge at this point. And you didn't really even mention the Eagles at all there. Are you expecting the Eagles to be maybe a six- or seven-win team? I think right now i got to see more from the quarterback, and coincidentally they acquired Gardner Minshew earlier today. I don't think that's a threat to take the job away from Jalen Hurts. Philly is an intriguing team because there's a lot of newness and you got a new coaching staff. I do like a lot of their playmakers on defense. They brought in Anthony Harris at safety. You got Gary Slane. You certainly still have Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. It's to me more about where is the offense going to go? Will the receivers stay healthy? Will Devontae Smith have enough of an impact in his rookie campaign? I think they're going to be an inconsistent team. They're going to be a tough out, but yeah, I would expect them to probably finish in fourth and they probably will be in that seven to eight win territory in all likelihood. Great stuff as always. That's my guy Lance Meadow. You can follow him on Twitter at Lance Meadow. And when you're in New York, you can hear him on the Giants Radio Network pre, half, and post game. Thanks so much for the time, Lance. Hey, you got it, Adam. Thanks. Always a pleasure coming on. Appreciate it. Yep, no problem. As always, one eight hundred six three six one zero six seven one eight hundred six three six. 106.7 is the number. When I come back here, I'm going to give you guys my Odyssey Sports Stories of the Week with Adam Epstein next here on 106.7 The Fan. Representing it here tonight. Hold on, hold on. Louisiana. Murder on the beat. Something for y'all to cut up to, you know? Yeah. Everybody get your roll on. I know Shorty and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man last band. It is great today. Here on the band with Adam Epstein, AWOD Weekend Radio. If you want, you can always tweet me throughout the show at AWOD Radio. Thanks to my guy Lance Meadow for hopping on the show. And coming on next segment is my guy Mark Schofield to go around the NFL. But I want to give you guys my Odyssey Sports Stories of the Week. And guys, I came up with this segment here after I uh, accepted a full-time job with Odyssey here, which is the parent company that owns WJFK 106.7 The Fan. I'm loving Every second of being back in the building here. And we have officially launched. Yes, the rocket is headed to the moon. That is Twitch TV. Twitch.tv slash BetQL. Twitch.tv slash BetQL. Uh, as, lo- as well as being live on the Odyssey website. And that is a 24-hour BetQL gambling stream that we have launched. And, of course, I've mentioned it before. I'm working with the show BetMGM tonight as uh, being part of the Odyssey vid- video team and doing videos uh, throughout the country of all the sports and all the teams. And uh, so that got me to the thought of here, let me do an Odyssey Sports Stories of the Week segment. And number one on the list is Philip Rivers obliterates opponent 
49-nothing in high school coaching debut. And honestly, that's a guy that I always rooted for as a pro, but he never won anything major. Uh, so I'm glad to see him off to a really cool winning start in his coaching career, coaching high school football. With that being said, Linnell, I would love to see him go back to the Colts. If Carson Wentz is set to miss an extended period of time, come on, give Phil Rivers the bag and let him play. We can't lose Rivers and Breeze the same offseason, guys. I mean, those are some iconic quarterbacks. Uh, number two on the list, speaking of Drew Brees, the second story is Jameis Winston winning the starting QB job over Taysom Hill. And, guys, he really did earn it. He played uh, excellent in their two preseason games uh, so far. And, look, although, you know, Taysom Hill's going to find his way onto the field. <laughs> he's just he's going to get snaps no matter what as a Wildcat quarterback or something. Uh, but it was huge for Jameis' career to win that starting job. I mean, he proved similar to like Teddy Bridgewater that sometimes the road to a second career as a starting quarterback in another team's franchise, maybe by taking a pit stop behind a veteran and relaunching your career as a backup for a year and waiting your chance patiently while also staying hungry and eager. So good for Jameis Winston. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how good the Saints can be this year. Alvin Kamara uh, is going to make them a threat on offense Every time they get the ball, if Jameis Winston can limit the turnovers and connect on some of the deep passes, uh, the Saints could be very good this year. Number three on my list, sticking with QBs for story number three, Mike Golick, long time of Mike and Mike on ESPN, says Bears absolutely made the right decision in starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. Really, Mike? Mike and Mike, that's what you're going with? Are you kidding me? Did you watch any of the Cowboys games last year? Andy Dalton fell off. And when I say fell off, he crashed and he's not coming back. He's out for the count. I don't ever see Andy Dalton having another 300-yard passing game in the NFL again. And I don't see any reason to start him over Justin Fields. That's your next franchise quarterback. It's obvious. And he looked apart in preseason. Might as well give him to the keys to the franchise already rather than wasting a season and throwing him to the in, in, throwing him into the fire after Andy Dalton has led the team to an 0-3 start. Why can't he get a run with the ones? Why not? It's not like he's behind a future Hall of Famer or even a quarterback that was successful in 2020. Andy Dalton is so 2016. Andy Dalton is your iPhone 8. Come on now. That's terrible for the Chicago Bears. Uh, number four story on my list of Odyssey Sports Stories of the Week, and you can find all these stories on odyssey.com. This one speaks to me personally. I almost feel like the author, John Healy, is personally taking a shot at AWOD. The quote of the article was, Studies show that NFL fans of losing teams tend to overeat after a loss. Tend to overeat after a loss. He's looking right at me and my belly. At the top of the list was none other than Jacksonville Jaguars, whose fans ate roughly 10% more calories the day after a loss uh, during their 1-15 season. And Linnell, I mean, that's so true. I mean, sometimes after a Washington football team loss, even if it's a primetime game, I've ordered a second dinner. Or if we're playing at 1 p.m. and we lose, you know I'm going, I might be getting Chinese food because I need lo mein in my system to make me feel better. I mean, after a Washington football team loss, I'm probably having dessert guaranteed. I'm going over to Cold Stone. I'm getting some ice cream or I'm going to the vending machine for some Snickers. I can't stand it when my team loses. It ruins my week. And absolutely, that story is true. I'm overeating after a loss. How about you, Linnell? 
Are you the same way with me? I'm actually the opposite. It makes me not want to eat. It dis- really? It disgusts me to the point where I lose <laughs> my appetite. Really? So, yeah. Complete All right. opposite. All right. All right. So, you know, some people uh, have their own way of dealing with defeat. Number five on the list here. Let's end this with one of the weirdest stories of the past few months. J.R. Smith is back at school. Not playing basketball, but he was awarded years of eligibility to play college golf at North Carolina A&T. Now, I don't know how fair this is. I mean, guys, J.R. Smith has millions of dollars, and he could have been using that on professional coaching. I mean, he could he could afford to have Tiger Woods come and coach him personally. J.R. Smith is a millionaire from all his years in the NBA. And now he's going to be competing for the NCAAs. Their first match is September 24th if he makes the team. But another part of this story that's so funny to me is apparently his college classmates don't even believe it's him walking around campus. Uh, J.R. Smith, who had a very successful 16-year NBA career, appeared in the dunk contest, made 11 three-pointers in one game, uh, forgot to give the the ball back to LeBron at the end of a huge NBA Finals game. All that good stuff. J.R. Smith's tweeting that his classmates don't even believe it's him and that he also says English is his first language, but these papers are hard as hell. I thought this was the funniest tweet he had. It was, quote, I'm about to start texting and tweeting in full sentences using punctuation. The homies are going to be like, who dis? Uh, But J.R. Smith is actually going all in on his new sport. He's even meeting up with golfer Ricky Fowler for some advice. So those are your Odyssey Sports Stories of the Week brought to you by Adam Epstein here on 106.7 The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I got Mark Schofield coming up next to go around the NFL. Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now Baby, I took a half and she took the whole thing, slow down Baby, we took a trip, now we on your block and it's like a ghost town Baby, where did these be at when they said they doing all this and all that? You're listening to AWOD Weekend Radio Your host Adam Epstein And joining me on the hotline right now To go around the National Football League Is Mark Schofield What's going on Mark? What's going on Adam? Great to be with you buddy How you doing? I'm good man I I gotta give you props man I've been hearing you on Grant and Danny I've been hearing you on on all the different shows Here on 106.7 The Fan And I I thought you've been doing Excellent work, man. So, uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's nice to have football season back. It actually gives me something to talk about instead of just, you know, wildest speculation in the dreary <laughs> months of June and July. So, it's good It's good to have football back. We've got college football games on the radio. We've got college football games on TV. We've got a safety to open score to the Big Ten. So, football is indeed back. Yeah, let's stick with what's going on today. What's the biggest matchup you're looking for tonight, and who are you uh, picking as a winner? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. You know, I am, as as it pains me to say, Adam, I am a Nebraska fan. And so I do have one eye as we speak sort of on Nebraska, Illinois right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very excited, though. Um, UCLA, I'm I'm hopeful that this is the year that UCLA sort of kind of puts things together. Um, They open in a little bit. Uh, they got Hawaii coming to town, so I'm excited about that game. Um, Also going to keep an eye late tonight. We've got... Uh, Southern Utah, San Jose State, so I'm excited about that as well. It's it's just good to have football back on TV. Absolutely agree with you there. 
Uh, moving over to the NFL. Uh, so preseason week three. I, I kind of want to know what your take is on this because Linnell, my producer, and I were arguing about this earlier. With there only being three preseason games, I don't know that I agree with this whole thing of you know not playing your starting quarterback. It doesn't look like Fitzpatrick uh, would get any snaps tonight for the Washington football team, which is disappointing knowing that he hasn't thrown a touchdown in preseason yet. Where If you were the coach, how would you treat week three of the preseason? You know, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, you know, and you can certainly see both sides of this because, you know, some coaches, they don't want to risk injury in that last preseason game, and I understand that. You know, but then you're, other, you're seeing some other head coaches go in a different direction. Buffalo Bills were playing right now against the Green Bay Packers, and Josh Allen had a couple of drives. Uh, we saw Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins both playing last night for, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings, respectively. I think a lot of coaches don't want there to be this long layoff because we get this odd sort of bye week next week with no games. So you're going to have a bye week, a week off anyway. I think a lot of coaches are of the mindset, and I kind of understand this, where you have that long layoff. If you don't play in that third preseason game, that's a lot of rust to then kick off in week one when things start happening for real. So I understand why coaches are going down that road. Of course, at the same time, this conversation can completely change if, you know, heaven forbid last night Patrick Mahomes rolls an ankle or today Josh Allen tweaks a knee or something and then they're out for week one. So this is an odd needle for NFL head coaches to thread. And it wouldn't surprise me if next preseason it's different. If next preseason we might still have just the three preseason games, but we don't have this bye. They slot it all back by a week, and so you don't have that long layoff whether the players play or not in that final preseason game. Yeah, no, I, I hate that uh, that they're doing that this year. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to spend that weekend, I guess, gearing up for fantasy football and have my draft, but I wish the season uh, would start next week. But Thursday, September 9th, first game of the season, is your Super Bowl champion Cowboy, or excuse me, Buccaneers uh, facing off against the Cowboys at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida? Uh, I don't see any way possible that the Cowboys win this game. Uh, you know, what is your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Adam. I look at this season opener for Tampa Bay, and usually, you know, I actually went back and looked at this that sort of Thursday night opener with Super Bowl champs raising the banner and the team celebrating, you know, last season's victory. This, those home teams in that Thursday night opener tend to win those games. I think of the 11, only two teams actually lost that game. And I think one of those might have actually been the year that the Ravens went on the road because um, there was a scheduling conflict with Camden Yards. And so they're defending Super Bowl champions, but they open at Denver. And then you look at this matchup, right? You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bringing pretty much everybody back on both sides of the football. You have, in my opinion, the chance for Tom Brady to have an even better year at age 44 because he's healthy, he doesn't have the MCL injury, he's recovered from that. And he's going to know the playbook better than he did last year. Brady was telling us in the media over the summer that into late season, into like November, December, he was still struggling to sort of call the plays and understand the reads and the progressions and this different offense. The first time he's running the new offense in two decades. And so I think Tampa Bay is going to be much better, potentially, at least Brady's from Brady's perspective than they were last year. Now on the other side of the football, did Dallas make improvements on the defense? Yes. Micah Parsons was a fantastic pick. I love the Jabril Cox pick. I think he's like the modern prototypical linebacker for today's NFL. So the defense will be better. Hard to imagine a worse defense. The offense could be good, but it might come down to how healthy is Dak Prescott. He's at 
the ankle injury that he's coming back from. He's got the lat strain that he's been working through. And so there are questions on Dallas. And so I think as far as that Thursday night opener goes, it's hard to see Dallas going into that environment, going into that matchup, and coming away with a win. Yeah, great stuff there. Mark Schofield, he uh, covers the NFL and writes for NFL Wire, at the NFL Wire, uh, on social media, USA Today's NFL Network. And so uh, let's uh, let me get your thoughts on this, okay? Every year in the NFL, it, it happens where a last-place team turns it around, wins the division the next year. Who's that going to be this year? Will you go out on a limb and name a team that does it this year? I mean, you know, you're right. There's usually, you know, the way the league works, the way parity works, you can see scenarios, we do see scenarios where last-place teams can sort of turn things around. The issue is it's hard to look at the teams that finished last place in their respective divisions last year, teams like the 49ers, teams like the Eagles, teams like the Lions, and say, yeah, they're certainly going to turn things around. Now, if there is a team that has at least the potential in place to do that, it's the Denver Broncos. You look at the Denver Broncos, I think a lot of people anticipate they will have one of the league's best defenses, right? You have Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb up front. You have Patrick Sertan. You add him to an already talented secondary. Then you look on the defensive side of the football. They can run out a great three-receiver personnel package. Courtney Sutton, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy at the receiver spots. Noah Fant at tight end. You've got an improved offensive line. You've got Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, the rookie out of UNC in the backfield. Now they're going with Teddy Bridgewater. And so we'll see how that looks. We'll see how that offense comes together around the veteran Bridgewater, who I think was the smart choice for a team with that talent, somebody that's not going to make a ton of mistakes. So on paper, Adam, yeah, the Denver Broncos could be that team to go from last to first. The problem is, look, at, look around the rest of the AFC West, right? Kansas City. You've got the Raiders. You've got the Chargers. Like, three pretty good teams. So if the Broncos do that, they will certainly have earned it, given what's in the West. But I think out of all last year's last-place finishers, the Broncos probably have the best shot to make that kind of run. Yeah, I, I would. the team I would argue is the 49ers. Cause, you know, just, just a cup of coffee ago, you know, they were in the Super Bowl. Uh, but the Broncos are definitely a team to uh, keep an eye on. I, I do think that the Giants would probably uh, get a victory against them in week one, the Giants, you know, that defense is just going to be so strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so too. I mean, with the Giants, the similar to the these are two teams that are in very similar situations, Adam Denver and the New York Giants, because both of them look to be very good around the quarterback position. And the big question facing both of those organizations as we head into twenty twenty one is, are they going to get? decent enough play from the quarterback position to sort of live up to that end of the bargain, given everything else you have in place around it. And I think the Giants in particular, tremendous defense. I love what Patrick Graham has done for them. I love James Bradbury, the corner. He's so great, particularly at the catch point. And they have talent on offense. It's just a matter of does Daniel Jones sort of take that step forward. I think in week one, you might be right. You know, the Giants might come out with a win in that one. But both of those teams, Denver and the New York Giants, are in very similar positions with what they've put around the quarterback position and now hoping that the quarterback lives up to his end of the bargain. You're listening to DC Sports Radio 1067 The Fan. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Weekend Radio. My guest on the hotline right now, Mark Schofield. And Mark, the segment that everyone around town here is talking about is the splash for cash segment here on 1067 The Fan when I give out my big fat winners. Uh, from around all the sports, and I have a futures bet in the NFL that I want to get your take on. That is the New York Jets 
to be the worst team in the NFL this year, to have the worst regular season record. What do you think my chances are of hitting that? Uh, I, I would go in a different direction right now. I'm, I'm very excited about what the Jets have in place for the present and for the future. I don't think they're going to necessarily say contend in the AFC East or anything like that, but you look at the growth and maturation we've already seen from Zach Wilson. You look at Elijah Moore. You look at what they're building on the offensive side of the football. I think they're going to be pretty good on that side of the ball. The defense certainly has some issues right now, particularly the call loss and injury. Losing him for the year is going to hurt. But I think the Jets are going to be pretty good this year. Obviously not a team that's going to contend, like I said, for the division or anything like that. But they're going to steal some wins for some games. And then I look at Jacksonville, the situation down in Jacksonville, which I will admit, going into the draft, going into free agency with all the cap space, all the draft capital they had, I thought, man, you look around the rest of the AFC South, the situation in Houston is tough. Tennessee is losing Arthur Smith. Yeah, maybe Indianapolis is going to get a little bit better with Carson Wentz, provided he stays healthy. But Jacksonville might really make some noise in that division. Now, Jacksonville looks to be a situation that is getting bad fast. A lot of reports out of Jacksonville players aren't happy with Urban Meyer. There's a situation where Trevor Lawrence right now doesn't look that comfortable in the pocket yet. You wonder about the offense they're using him in. A lot of vertical concepts. He hits his back foot on drops and nothing's really open yet. They've struggled to protect him during the preseason. If I were making that bet, Adam, I'd put my money down on Jacksonville rather than the Jets. All right. All right. I, I like your take on that. Mark Schofield, you could follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. And you actually have a five-star tweet here I'm seeing. Uh, back a few months ago, but George R.R. R. Martin tweeted, uh, or he said that he regrets letting the Game of Thrones series surpass the books, uh, quote, saying, I wish I'd stayed ahead. And you tweeted, man, blew a five-book lead. Uh, and so I'm, I'm he reading blew that. a five-book lead, Adam. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. He had all this time built in to stay ahead of the series itself. And I understand that, look, when, when the Game of Thrones series itself became such a cultural phenomenon, there was pressure on the showrunners, pressure on HBO to keep cranking out the shows, and I understand that. But he had a five-book lead. <laughs> he had a five-book lead that he blew. And, and maybe if he didn't waste book three talking about hot pie and hot pie recipes, he could have <laughs> you know, overcome and held on to that five-book lead, Adam. Well, in my mind, nothing will be as, as good as the Game of Thrones series, even though I'm not a fan of that final season. But, Mark, is there anything else that you're watching right now that you want to let the audience know about? No, I mean, the, the main thing we're watching right now, I, I think, as far as the NFL, NFL-wide goes, a couple of different quarterback battles left to be resolved. I think San Francisco and New England are the two atop everybody's list. You know, is it going to be Mac Jones or Cam Newton in New England? Is it going to be Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? And the other thing that I think has popped up since we've been on air, Charles Robinson over at Yahoo, very plugged in reporter. Dolphins seem to be, have, have become in the past couple of days, the sort of leaders in a potential Deshaun Watson trade. Yeah, I saw that. Charles Robinson saying the Texans are seeking three first-round picks, two second-round picks, according to a team that dropped out of the trade talks. Now, obviously, there's a lot at play with the Deshaun Watson situation, the legal situation down in Houston with the, you know almost two dozen civil lawsuits against him. The FBI and the Houston Police Department have become involved in this investigation as well. There's the chance that this does turn criminal in nature. There's still the chance that... Commissioner Roger Goodell steps in and places Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. So there's a lot at play here, but there has been endless speculation about a potential Watson trade. And perhaps we see 
some news and some movement on that front in the next, say, 24, 48 hours. Mark, great stuff as always. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a great weekend. Yep. When I return, I will give you my soccer segment here on 106.7 The Fact. The impact that Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, to Manchester United will have on the Premier League and the rest of the soccer world. Next, here on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. I'm Adam Epstein. And the big news in the soccer world this week was Cristiano Ronaldo back to Manchester United. That has a huge impact on the Premier League. And honestly, guys, have we ever witnessed a crazier transfer window in any sport? Google when the last time two MVPs were traded in the same offseason. It never happens. Lionel Messi leaves Barcelona for PSG when he'll make his debut tomorrow at 2.45 p.m. And Cristiano Ronaldo leaves Juventus for Manchester United to come home to his boyhood club. Expect Ronaldo to suit up next uh, two weeks uh, for Manchester United as next week is the uh, international break, so they won't have a game. But after that, he will be ready for Manchester United. Ronaldo, you know what he did? He noticed Messi has a better chance of winning Champions League with PSG, with that PSG squad, than Ronaldo does with the players Juventus signed in the transfer window. And he decided, you know what? Three years in Italy are enough. They couldn't uh, bring a trophy home for uh, England in Euro 2020. They lost it to Italy, funnily enough. But Cristiano Ronaldo is coming home to Manchester United. In his six years at Man U, Ronaldo won eight major honors, including three Premier League titles and one Champions League. In 10 years since his departure from the club, Manchester United has only won two Premier League titles and never gone past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So you can see the impact he makes. Uh, The devastating impact of Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid uh, three years ago is evident in their offensive statistics as the one season after Ronaldo left Madrid, Madrid's goals per match dropped from uh, 0.66, while shots per game uh, dropped by 4.03. Another undeniable impact of Cristiano Ronaldo is his ability to score crucial goals. And one of the statistics that tells that is that in quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of the Champions League, Ronaldo has scored a stunning 41 goals. In the big games, he shows up. The next highest is Messi with just 16. So you can see the huge difference uh, that Ronaldo makes on the teams that he plays for. He's also the only Manchester United player to score 30-plus goals in a season in the Premier League history. In fact, only one player has ever scored more in a 38-game Premier League season than Ronaldo. That was Mohamed Salah in 2017 and 18. And Luis Suarez and Alan Shearer had 31 goals each in their years, respectively. So, uh, Ronaldo joins Manchester United, and uh, it, that is going to have a huge impact for the Premier League. Liverpool faced off against Chelsea today and uh, ended up with a one-to-one draw after Chelsea got a red card and had their men, uh, Reese James, sent off. Uh, but Cristiano Ronaldo scored 450 goals in 438 matches for Real Madrid. That's such an incredible goals-per-game average of 1.03. He had a bunch of goals uh, in the past three years after he moved to Juventus. And uh, he is the Madrid's top scorer of all time. Uh, Ronaldo's just done unbelievable things, um, and he's been great in all of the European competitions. He also won the Ballon d'Or, which is given to the best soccer player of the year in 2008, 2013, 14, 16, and 17. So he hasn't won it in a few years, and he's hungry. But while being 36 years old and clearly past his peak, 
The stats show he's still one of Europe's top goal scorers, and uh, it, it's just so uh, awesome uh, to have him back in the Premier League, be able to watch him every single week. He's going to make Manchester United incredible, but they won't be able to win the league. Why? Because I think that's going to be either Chelsea with the uh, signing of Romelu Lukaku and him at striker and the unbelievable managerial uh, performances of Thomas Tuchel, or it's going to be Pep Guardiola of Manchester City. And that is actually the team that I have uh, winning the Champions League this year. So even though it could be uh, PSG with Messi, and it could also be Manchester United with Ronaldo. I have it being Manchester City with Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Grealish, uh, Gabriel Jesus, and the English great Raheem Sterling. So that's your little update around the soccer world. The U.S. men's national team has important qualifier games coming up Thursday, September 2nd. All right, next week they will face off against Canada. So which of these CONCACAF teams will fight for the World Cup next summer? Well, that will be determined by who plays the best this summer between Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, and Panama. Three will qualify. One will make it into a tiebreaker playoff game for the World Cup. And the U.S. men's national team is going to have Christian Pulisic. Uh, His status was up in the air for a while after he tested positive. But it looks like he will be back and ready to play this Thursday. So lots going on around the soccer world. And again, I'll mention it. Lionel Messi makes his debut for PSG tomorrow at 245. Adam Epstein here on 106.7 The Fan. When I return, it's time to splash some cash here on 106.7 The Fan. Time to splash some cash next on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 